The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. Uh, hey, welcome. Welcome to the summer and excited uh, to have you here with us tonight. Uh, it feels good to be back up here. It's been a couple of months. Uh, it's the first time I've gotten a chance to speak this summer. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Mike McAvoy. I'm on staff here, but only for the next couple weeks. Uh, and I'll be kind of rounding, rounding out my time here. Um, other weird thing. Okay, this is really weird. Okay. I'm sitting in a stool up here because my back kills. And I can barely stand up right now. And I have no idea why. I don't know what I did to hurt my back. But the weirdest thing, okay, I'm getting married in a month. My fiance gets in a car wreck yesterday. Okay, four cars, smash, 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 smash. Three of them have to be towed, uh, except the front one. Hers is one right in the middle, gets smashed from behind, then hits the car. Front end all banged up, but she's totally fine. But my back is killing me. I don't know. It's just a little weird. That's all I'm saying. I have no idea why. But uh, so anyways, I'll just be kind of hanging it on the stool tonight. Um, sorry to disappoint. I won't be moving around that much. But uh, we, we should have a good night here tonight. Uh, I, like I said, I'm getting married uh, a month from tomorrow, actually. Pretty excited about that. Uh, the other big news in my life, uh, I got a job. So I'm going to be... Uh, I know. So I go off, I go off staff here uh, in two weeks, uh, and then I uh, get a couple months off for wedding and stuff. And then mid-September, I'm actually moving down to California, uh, going down to Southern California, Irvine, actually, Orange County, uh, to start up College Young Life down at a few different college campuses down there. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of some of the schools, uh, like Chapman and things like that. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. There's actually someone that goes to Chapman. So anyways... Um, yeah, that's where I'll be in the fall. Pretty excited about it. Uh, I don't know what you guys have been up to this summer. I know that for me, summer is a great time to have goals, things I want to work on. I don't have as much going on as I do during the school year. So I think, okay, what are my goals going to be this summer? This summer, one of them has been to get in better shape. Is it just because the wedding? Maybe. Uh, but also trying to be healthier. And this is the funny thing. I was thinking about it, and I, people are always like, oh, oh, you're losing weight or something. I'm like, no, no, I'm just getting in better shape. That's all. I feel like as a guy, it's really hard to say, I want to lose weight. It's like, I don't know, it's kind of a girly sounding thing. I'd rather just say, no, no, I'm just trying to work out and, and get in shape and actually lose weight. But I guess it fits because uh, I've been doing all this wedding planning the last couple of months. And I'll tell you, if there's one thing that makes you way girlier, it's wedding planning. You pick out colors, you pick out uh, textures, you pick out the way things are going to look, how they're going to match up, things I've never done before. You pick out the way things are going to smell. Um, I don't know, but a couple weeks ago, Okay, uh, Chris Sherman, who's uh, the intern who's going to be uh, taking over uh, my job in a couple weeks, his uh, invites to his wedding came in the mail, okay? So I get his invitation in the mail, and I look at it for about 30 seconds, and I haven't even read it yet, and I'm like, I love the texture on this paper. <laughs> and I said, wait, I'm like, what on earth am I doing? Like, please get me out of wedding planning mode. Oh, my gosh. Um... Okay, but uh, that was total side note. Anyways, uh, okay, getting in shape. So I told you guys, I don't know if you remember, last time I spoke at the end a couple months ago, I was training for a triathlon. I know you look at me and you don't think triathlon. Well, have you know, I finished it. I was not first place. Thank you. I was probably like an hour behind whoever got first place. But I'll tell you, I brought a picture just to prove it, okay? There's a picture of me running, and that is me, okay? And I'll tell you what, this is about the 
I'm, I don't know, most ironic photo ever. This is right at the start of the run, and the swim was miserable, okay? And the bike wasn't that great either. All people did was pass me. And so I get to the run, and I'm near the back, and my legs are all cramped up. I've never ran after biking before. I should have done more training. But I'm all cramped. I'm running straight-legged. And some ladies like, oh, so these old people are just there watching, you know? I don't know if they know anybody. They're like, you're doing so great. You're doing, and I was just like, thank you. And then I kind of started running upright. And I was like, my body was built for triathlons. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I do have one thing about the tri Okay, Go to the next picture, okay? Um, this is in the water. And this is Chris Tsort in front, one of the interns from two years ago, who was way in front of me. And if you look way to the back, you'll actually see me. And I'm holding on to a buoy, okay? And this was so embarrassing. I get about halfway around, and I, I was like, it was cold. And all I had done is swim in the pool a bunch. And the pool didn't have any waves. And if you look out here, there were, there were a bunch of waves. It was like windy as the day went along. And I just kept swallowing water and water. And so finally, I was like, a guy was on a paddleboard. I was like, can I hold on to the buoy? He's like, I guess. <laughs> like, he was the first person to ever do that. And so I held on. I was kind of trying to spit up water. And eventually, I came out. And then I brought a series of pictures of me coming out of the water. Because none of them are good. Okay, there's me in the middle. Everyone else comes sprinting up out of the water to try to save time. Not me. Next picture. I walked as slow as I could. <laughs> I wouldn't even look at people because I was kind of embarrassed. Then next one, I'm getting up again. Everyone's running and jumping over the sledge. And I was like, oh, I'll take it as slow as I can. <laughs> is that the last one? Oh, no, there's one more. I don't know why I brought this. This is me at the end. I just thought I'd bring this because this is the weirdest hug I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? From now on, that's how you're going to get hugged by me. So uh, I don't know why I showed that. I just thought it was funny. Um, anyways. Uh, I, I have been talking a lot about getting in shape, and that's been a big goal for me. Um, and one of the reasons is just to get healthier. Uh, I've been at a weight probably more than I needed to be for a while. And to be honest, turning 29 this summer, my mom keeps calling me and telling me, hey, are you watching how much red meat you're eating? Are you watching how much cheese and eggs? You know these things have high cholesterol. We have heart problems in our family. And we do have heart problems in our family. It's not really that much of a joking matter. But for me, I've never really cared. I've always thought, no, I'll be fine. I'll live forever. And I'm just starting to realize how important it is to take care of my heart. Uh, that it's not going to last forever if I keep treating it the same way. And I, I want it to be strong. And so I need to train. I need to take care of it. Coincidentally, I'm just starting to really, as I've been studying this summer, I've really been uh, paying attention to how important I think our, our other heart is. Kind of our more emotional heart. The place that we feel love, we feel pain, that we live and we deal out of. And how important it is to, to protect our heart, to put good things in, um, to watch uh, what we're doing and how our heart is, is being taken care of. And so for the next two weeks, I get a chance to preach tonight, and then next week we're going to go through a short mini-series here uh, that we're going to call Heart Surgery. And we're just going to look at a couple things uh, that can help us have healthy hearts um, and in ways that God works in us uh, to help clean out our hearts so that we can, we can live, we can uh, live to the full. And... Why is this such an important thing? Why is our heart such an important thing? Well, I kind of think of it like if I went into the doctor. So picture going into the doctor and they go, oh, my gosh, you'd never notice this by looking at you. But uh, you have huge problems in your arteries. We need to do triple bypass surgery right now. Uh, You're going to have a heart attack in the next week. If we don't, you will not live more than three or four days. And you're like, oh, man, that seems important. But like this is a really busy time for me right now. I got I got school. Uh, I have a job. I just have some other things going on. It's not a good time for me. How about in a couple weeks? So take care of it. 
No, you'd never say that, right? Uh, like it's a big deal. It needs to be taken care of uh, right now. And I think the same thing is, is true. There are things that get stuck and lodged in our hearts that can stay with us the rest of our lives. And sometimes we always think there's going to be a better time. But I think this is a very, very important thing for us to take care of. In fact, uh, one of the verses I've been uh, keep, keep looking at lately is from Proverbs 4. And a guy named Solomon, uh, smartest, wisest man who ever lived, uh, wrote a few books in the Old Testament. And one of them is Proverbs teaching about uh, how to live. Okay, And he says this. He says, above all else. And this should stop us right there. Here's a guy who, who wrote about everything under the sun. And, and he says, above all else, meaning what I'm about to say is really, really important. He says, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. He says that your heart is so important, you need to protect it. Because when it's in good shape, it will, it will impact your life in a positive way. You will have positive actions. You will, you will have a life that is lived in a way you want. And if, if your heart is uh, not, if it's filled with garbage and um, you're not taking care of it, your heart is going to impact your life in a negative way. And if you don't know how important your heart is and what the correlation between these two things are, just look at the Grinch. Okay, The Grinch had a tiny heart. And what did he do? Only bad things. He took toys from kids. He did a lot of other things. I don't know exactly what they are. But somehow, one day, Grinch, heart, three sizes bigger. What happens? His whole life changes. Just because his heart gets bigger. In fact, it's an easy correlation. Big heart, giving toys to kids. Small heart, taking toys from kids. It's pretty simple, if you ask me. But Solomon, much wiser than the Grinch, says to guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. What does that mean? means to put good things in and to keep bad things out. And we're going to take a lead uh, from a guy named Andy Stanley who wrote a book called Enemies of the Heart that I've been looking at lately. And he looks at a number of emotions that affect our heart. He looks at greed and, and lust and uh, guilt and anger and jealousy and a number of emotions that uh, sometimes we let get lodged in our hearts and if left alone can affect us can affect everything about us. They can even control us. And taking a cue from him uh, and his book, I want to I look at, at some things that affect us much more than we think. And today I want to look at this emotion of guilt. And the way that guilt is, is an emotion that can poison our heart, our faith, our character, our relationships, our whole being, if we let it. So as we dive in, look at this idea of guilt. Would you, would you start by praying with me here? God, I know uh, this has been a, a convicting topic for me, God, and uh, not an easy one to dig into. Lord, but I pray that uh, your words that you write, God, in your scripture um, will come alive tonight, that we would see um, the things that you're teaching us, God, the way that you're speaking to each of us. Uh, here in this place tonight. Lord, be with us. Help us to see what you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. What is guilt? Guilt is the emotion we have when we realize that we've done something wrong. We've hurt somebody. We've taken something from somebody else. In fact, I like to look at guilt as a debt-to-debtor relationship. Okay, and guilt says, I owe you. I've, I've hurt you in some way. Maybe I've stolen from you and I owe you something. Maybe I've said something bad about you and I've ruined your credibility or your reputation and I, and I owe you something. In fact, oftentimes when we feel guilty, 
we put it in those terms. I owe you an apology. I owe you uh, an explanation. I owe you $275,000. That's a car. You might want to hold on to that one. Okay? Same thing here. Uh, And we put it in that term. I owe you. Why do I owe you an apology? Because my heart tells me I've done something wrong, and I want to make it right by paying up somehow. Even if the only way I can pay is with an apology to you. But oftentimes facing debt is hard. Right? When, when someone owes you money, you don't see them that often. In fact, a lot of you probably live in a house where one person pays the rent and everyone else pays them back. Well, uh, if you're that person and that person hasn't paid you back in a while and you're waiting for that rent check, it's awkward. Right? And when you're in the room with them, you're like, you don't even need to talk about it. You know it's there. They know it's there. It just hangs there. When there is an inequity out there, uh, when somebody owes something, somebody else something, uh, it, just, it just hangs there. Even if you don't talk about it, it's, it's there. And we feel the same thing when we've lied or offended or hurt someone. Because we've taken something from them and we feel that guilt. We're saying, I owe you. And I know it. That's what guilt is. But guilt is experienced like a weight, like a burden. It's why when we uh, you know, confess or we confront someone and talk about, hey, I feel really bad, I, you know, and we, we face that, uh, we oftentimes say we feel like a weight has been lifted off of us. Because we feel it like a weight or a burden. Now, real quick side note. Okay, I know some of you may have grown up in a church or, uh, or, or thought that what Christianity was about was about feeling guilty. That this was like the whole reason that we go to church. We need to feel guilty. Maybe there are even some churches out there that, that uh, live off guilt and say, you know, if we don't make people feel guilty, they won't come back at all. But, but I'll tell you, I just want to be upfront, is that I don't see that. I don't see that. As I look through the Bible, as I watch the way Jesus lived and dealt and interacted with people, he, he never leveraged guilt for his own good. He never, he never used it. And if there's anyone that could have used guilt, anyone that knew the hearts of everybody, it was Jesus. But he never, never dealt in that manner. Guilt's not a good thing. Guilt's a creature. It's an issue. It's a problem. It gets lodged in our hearts and stays there. And sometimes it gets buried. But it's a problem that keeps us from living and loving and having healthy relationships in our life. We're being told that guilt is a good thing. That's something we should feel. I'd get away from that situation. In fact, one of the things as a pastor I, I hear often is, is people come and talk about, hey, I, uh, I feel really guilty like I've let God down. We put it in terms like that sometimes. I, I feel guilty. I should be reading the Bible more. I should be praying more. I should have done this. I shouldn't have done that. I'm letting God down. I just want to address that first of all. I got news for you is that is that God's not expecting you to get it right. Okay, there were 12 guys that walked this earth for three years living with Jesus Christ. They watched how prayer made many miracles happen. They watched the power that was working in Jesus Christ. And the night uh, where he's being betrayed, Jesus says, hey, I want you guys to stay up and pray. And these guys fall asleep. Okay? Like, don't give yourself such a hard time if, if you're like, oh, I should be praying more. Okay, these are guys that knew the power of what they were praying for. They saw it right in front of them, and, and even they're falling asleep when they're praying. And when we don't get things right, hey, you know what? Jesus Christ didn't die on a cross because he, he said, you're going to now uh, do everything right, and as soon as you do one thing wrong, you should feel guilty about it. 
No, he died on the cross because he knew that we were going to get it wrong. In fact, the Bible says it's your kindness. Lord, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, not your guilt. It's God's kindness that leads us to him. Okay, guilt has nothing to do with it. Okay, uh, going back. Now, some of us may recognize, hey, guilt's a bad thing. I get that. Uh, but I, I'm just going to be okay with it. I'm just going to be okay with living in debt to someone else. And we see this in our society all the time. right? We see people living in debt. I mean, this was the big you know, stock market crash a few years ago. was all these people buying everything on credit. Nobody has any money. We're living well beyond our means. We're living in debt, and we're okay with it. And we're okay with it. And I think that we do that a lot in college, too. I think it starts to be an age where uh, we, we get here, and, and maybe we hurt somebody. Maybe a relationship uh, didn't go exactly like we thought. Maybe um, we've let somebody down. And we know, hey, we should probably go apologize. We should probably make this relationship right. But that would just be really awkward. And I'm okay. You know what? i got a lot of friends. I don't need that friendship. You know, i got 900 Facebook friends. I'll be just fine. You know, I could, I could email any of them, and we could go hang out. We'll be just fine. And, uh, and we don't want to face the awkward conversation, so we just live we just live with that. Okay, and we think, oh, no big deal. No big deal. Move on, I'll have new relationships. And we feel guilt, and we just kind of bury it, even if we know we were wrong. But, but guilt is extraordinarily unhealthy if left undealt with. And will negatively impact our hearts. The weight that we pick up in life, okay, the weight that we pick up in college doesn't just go away. The weight that we pick up sticks with us. It can stick with us years. It can stick with us decades. Okay, when we feel guilty, when we owe someone something, there's only two ways that, that we get rid of that. And one is by paying the debt that we owe to somebody. And the other is by going to them and asking for them to cancel the debt. And those two things start with confession. Confession is like a light that shines in the dark places and takes away the power that guilt has on us. The funny thing about confession, though, as, I, as I start looking through the Bible, is, is the Bible actually has way more to say about confession to others than it does about confession to God. And this is kind of a new one to me, because I always felt like the most important confession was to God. If I sin, if I, if I hurt someone, I go to God and I say, hey, God, I'm sorry. I know I did that. I know that was wrong. Forgive me, please. And that was the important thing. And um, clean slate. Thanks, God. And that's true. Every, when we come to God, he forgives us. I'm not trying to say he doesn't. Take that. Um, and when we come to God, we, we are forgiven for those things. But what I've noticed is that when I confess just to God my sin, I oftentimes find myself coming back to that same sin again and again, and confessing to God that same sin, and coming back to that same sin, and confessing and coming back. And I might be the only one, but I feel like that's a pattern that I have in my life. And, and what I've started to realize myself is that my confession to God is just so that I can have a clear conscience. Well, the goal of confession is actually to change, to create change, transformation in us. It should be for a changed heart. 
And the Bible teaches that we remove our guilt by going to the person that we owe and confessing what we've done or apologizing for the way that we've hurt them. One of the places that I see this most prevalent is in Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, Jesus is talking. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount here. He's just getting going. Uh, one of his, his bigger sermons. And he's, he's talking about, you know, just kind of how to live life. And uh, he, he says this. And this was an interesting one to me. Uh, he's talking about relationships between people. And he says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Okay, so here we have Jesus saying that if you come to worship me, you come to worship me, and, and, and while here you realize, hey, i got a problem with someone else. i got beef over here. Jesus says, hey, or, you know, he says, don't, don't come to worship God. Go handle your business with somebody else. Go to the person that the problem is with. That that's how we make the relationship right. Now, I've got to admit, when I first read this, I go, I really don't know if I agree with what's being said here. Is this idea putting people ahead of God? God, I've hurt someone. I'm coming to you to make things right. I know that I've hurt them, but, but me and you, our relationship, isn't my relationship with you so much more important than my relationship with them? Well, I always thought so. But as I read through the Bible more and more, I see that our relationship with God and our relationships with others are so intertwined. In fact, Dale Bruner, a Bible scholar, a kind of well-known Bible scholar, he says that if you're trying to get right with God without getting right to your brother, then our efforts are in vain. Is this putting people in front of God? Well, the paradox here is that as we put God first in our lives, oftentimes he puts people first. The commandment he gives to love our brother, love our sister, he says is very similar to the first command I give you, and that's to love the Lord your God. That these things, these things are similar. And I don't think we can just say, God, I have a great relationship with you. Me and you are good. I know I have all these horrible relationships with people all over the place, but that doesn't matter. I'm good with you. That's it. I don't think we can say that. I think these two things are far too connected for that. And in a desire for obedience... As I search through this book and look at the commands and instructions that Jesus gives on on this issue, I see over and over again him saying, if I wrong someone, go apologize to that person. Go apologize to them. Get right with them. Then come and worship me. In fact, uh, James reiterates this statement in chapter 5 of the book of James. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to whom? To each other. In fact, let's go ahead and just do that right now. Why don't you just turn to someone, confess your sin? Okay, no, that's no. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not crazy. I know those looks were priceless. Um, okay, so but he's saying that uh, he's saying that confession, secret confession to God, is no substitute. Sorry to scare you. I know a lot of people. I see sweat. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry. You're good. Um, <laughs> he's saying that the secret confession to God is no substitute for confession to someone else. And the Spirit of God works in us, and it works through us in relationships. 
with others as we confront them. And I know this is tough. Oh, man, I know this is a tough thing. I know there's probably a phone call on your mind that you absolutely dread. An email that you cannot write. Or or a coffee date that, that just keeps being put off and off and off because the threat of awkwardness. Or letting someone down. Scares us a lot. I know that. Frankly, this, this idea means embracing the awkwardness. It means embracing this idea to make right some of the relationships that might be poor standing in our life. But when we do, and this is just such oh, I just I think it's such a powerful thing. When we do, um, and we actually give this a shot, we, we, we release our hearts from the stranglehold that guilt can have on them. And it's, it's a powerful, powerful thing. God works through that. He works through relationships in our life. That's where we see His Spirit working in this when we see confrontation with others. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, look, Mike, I get it. I understand. You lied to somebody once, and you apologized to them. You went to them, and then you guys were like, oh, no, it's fine. And you hugged, and you made up, and everything is good. I get that you've done that, but you don't understand. You don't understand my issues i got some issues. If I talked publicly about some of the things that I've done or I'm going through, it would change the relationships forever. There are some things I can't face. They're a big deal. The consequences of, of some of the things that I've done are, are much, much bigger than this. And, and I get that, too. I get that it's scary. I get that it's awkward. I know that there's consequences to that. But I think it's because we see the consequences to that confrontation, but we don't see the consequences of our concealment. Here's the deal. Here are the couple choices that I see that we have. Uh, and, and that is confession, our confession, where we have consequences. The consequences are tangible. Okay, They're immediate. And they're going to impact a handful of people in your life. The consequences of concealment, concealed hurt, concealed pain, concealed guilt, are not immediate. They're not as tangible. Yet they can go on for years, if not decades, in our life. And they may not just impact a handful of people. They could impact all of the relationships that are in our life for the rest of our life. So what would a God who loves us so incredibly much teach us to do? To keep a secret? To just confess to God and come back to that same sin? To leave relationships and just go talk to Him about the wrong that we've done? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think we have a God that loves us way, way, way too much to let us continue to live in that way. And when we apply this principle of confessing our stuff to others, to somebody, maybe there's something that you just feel, I have to tell someone, I don't even care or know who that is. And eventually, maybe we can tell the person that we've actually wronged. Maybe we can talk to them about it. But when we do that, our our outside world temporarily becomes a little more chaotic. 
Not going to lie. It, it, it will. But our inner world will become free. And once we work through the outside consequences, our life will be so much better for it. I'll tell you, I've been, I've been working on this. I've been, I've been sitting in this for a couple weeks now, and there's been one thing that, that keeps coming back in my mind. Uh, one thing. And last summer, I had a buddy that got married down in Oregon, about 10-hour drive away. And, uh, and, you know, we were talking, and I was, I was planning on going to his wedding, and I had been dating uh, my current fiancé, Rachel, for about a month. And I was like, hey, uh, can I bring her down to the wedding? And he's like, hey, sorry, we just don't have space. And at the time, I was like, dude, <laughs> make another spot. Come on. Now planning a wedding? I realize you can't just do that. Um, much more humble about it now. But, uh, but I was like, okay, so I'm talking to him, and I'm like, look, this is a long drive. Ten-hour drive each way. We were good friends in high school, but we haven't really um, been that good of friends since then. Just distance and going to college different places. I don't know very many other people going down. It's a long drive. I won't have anybody to carpool with. If I was able to bring her with me, it might be worth it. Uh, we might be able to have a fun adventure together, get to know each other better. You know, I'd pay the couple hundred dollars for gas or whatever. But as I was going through and I knew I couldn't bring her and I was going to make this drive all alone, I just said, hey, look, I, I'm sorry. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. It's just a long way to go uh, for one day. And he was like, okay, um, you know, and, and we got off the phone. And, and that night, okay, that night he sent me a group of text messages that let's just say were not that nice. They were actually kind of rude and, and kind of mean, talking about how I didn't care about our friendship and how I was putting her above a friend that I had for a long time. And by the way, new message. Forget everything I've said. New message. Don't have confrontation over text message. <laughs> if you remember nothing else, just take that away. Large confrontation should not be done over text. We do it all the time. I know that. Um, there we go. There's a new message. Uh, walk away with that. But, um, but he did. And I was like, oh, I was kind of hurt by these. And so the next day I called him up. I wanted to write him back right at the time, honestly. I had like this big page written. And I was like, oh, come on. And I was like, oh, gosh. So I deleted that, which thankfully... Uh, but the next day, uh, call him up and go, hey, look, um, let's talk about this. Uh, but he didn't answer. I left a message on his phone. And that was the last communication we've had 11 months ago. He didn't call me back. I don't know what the deal is. He got married a week later, you know, so I'm sure he had lots of things to think about. And, as, and so I've been thinking about this a couple weeks, and I'm like, you know what I should do? I really should write him an email. I thought about should I call? Should I go see him? I just need to write an email. I just want to explain the situation better. I want to talk about how we haven't talked in 11 months and what the deal is here. Well, today I wrote that email. Sometimes these things take a while. And I don't yet know, like, all the power that this has in me, but I do know this. I don't want that guilt to have power over me. Now, if you looked at the situation, and I, you're probably sitting there going, Mike, I don't think you were wrong. Like, you shouldn't be sending an email. He should be sending an email. I think if we went before a judge, I don't think he'd go, uh, Mike, you're definitely wrong. He's definitely right. I don't think that. But that's not the point. The point is, I still feel like in some way, I've caused uh, a rift in our relationship. And I don't want the guilt. I don't want that. Even if it's just buried deep. Even if it doesn't come up very much. I don't want that to stay in my heart. I don't want that to be there, pulling on me making it so I don't have a full, clean heart. I realize more and more how important it is to take care of, care of my heart. Same way I used to eat all the red meat, all the cheese, all the eggs I could get my hands on. I still love that stuff. But man, I realize, hey, you're almost 29. If, if you don't take care of your heart, it's not going to be strong forever. It's the same way. We can ignore our heart for a while. 
if we keep putting bad things in, we don't take time to get rid of those things in our heart, they stay there. So my question for you tonight is do you need to talk to somebody? Do you need to have coffee with somebody? Do you need to send an email or make a phone call? Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Come back next week. We're going to look at another issue, a different one that also can really plague our hearts. But don't leave here tonight with that little stirring inside you. Don't leave here and ignore that little stirring. If if God's doing something in your heart right now, pay attention to that. Pray with me. God, I know as I I sit and and read your word and look at um, what you say for others, God, I'm, I'm very, very convicted. Of, of the way that it speaks to me. God, I pray that um, we can glorify you and we can honor you, God, by people, by being people. Um, God, that face, face up to where we owe somebody. God, that we're not afraid to walk through the awkwardness, to walk through the confronta- confrontation. God, to step in to the situations in our life where we need you to work through us and through us going and, and, and talking to somebody else, Lord. So we thank you for this time. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray.